But it's actually deceptively hard to create a cute slug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Captain's Pod, Stardate 4110, 82.2. Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief surely from the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I am your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me, as always, she is like a cathedral that is summoned <gasps> from the sky. That's it is to you. Listen, listen. <laughs> what you don't know, beloved podcaster, is that we're recording the intro after recording the bulk of this episode, and Ian yeah, has just done something. Something absolutely <laughs> mind-bendingly crazy, but you'll find out that when the show starts, I suppose. I did some time travel stuff and referenced something that hasn't happened yet. That is what we do here. Ambassador, how are you? I'm doing really, really good. Without like giving too much away, we just finished up the uh, episode completely, and I'm on like a Star Trek Cloud Nine right now, and I'm really mm-hmm. excited for you guys to hear this episode. So um, I don't even want to like mess around too much. No. I, mean, I just want to jump right into it. So we don't have an episode to review today. Instead, we have sorry. an ex-, ex. So sorry. Although I'm, so I'm sorry. not really sorry because what we have instead is something much, much, much more special. So let's head over to Ten Forward to meet a special guest. Welcome to Ten Forward, everyone. Where we're joined by a very, very special guest. No, it's not Ambassador Danae. It is Aaron J. Will pronounce his last name correctly, Waltke. That's absolutely correct. That's yes. the American version of a Prussian last name that has way too many consonants in it. So well done. Uh, as an Englishman, Ooh. I am used to having too many vowels and consonants in all of our, our words. Color, <laughs> honor, all of them. Yeah, nothing makes sense. <laughs> well, we haven't come to talk about linguistics, although I'm sure we could. Aaron is the executive producer and writer for Star Trek Prodigy. Now, before I even let Aaron talk or say a single Which word. Which is great. Yep, you, no, that's this great is why we have guests do. on here. Yeah. Before I let the captain oh, talk. Oh, oh wait, wait, sorry. What? I just want to say how incredible, and Aaron, you can close your ears if this makes you feel uncomfortable, just how incredible Prodigy is. It is absolutely the best. It's so, so good. I came to it super duper late, only a few weeks ago, and binged it in about two days. But if anyone hasn't watched it yet 100% super duper high recommend watch it including Danae who I'm going to chuck under a bus because you haven't watched it yet (laughs) (laughs) no I didn't watch it but that's part of the joy of uh the interview process for me is I get to learn things um and then pretend like I don't come off a dumbass well hopefully I I don't spoil anything for you uh but uh thank you for those compliments (laughs) Uh, I, uh, as a Midwesterner, I'm still trying to figure out how to accept praise, yep, <laughs> but I yep. appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, you know, we put a lot of love into the series and it's been mm. so wonderful over these last few months as it kind of rolls out to different regions of the world, uh, to see how, um, uh, it's been embraced, uh, by so many, you know, hardcore Star Trek fans and mm. new audiences alike, you know? Uh, we obviously took some really bold swings, especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. starting so far outside of Federation space and anything recognizable as Starfleet. Um, and, but as people kind of took the ride with us, it's been really fun to see people like, oh, that's where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, I can't wait for everybody to see where we, we take it. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. It's bold swings is right. So as this is kind of perfect because Danae hasn't had a chance to watch the show yet. To someone who hasn't seen it yet, how would you pitch the show? How would you describe Prodigy in 
an elevator pitch that I'm sure you actually had to give at some point. <laughs> sure. So, um, you know, the, the traditional sort of modus operandi of Star Trek is to explore strange new worlds and seek out, you know, strange life and new civilizations. But uh, this is, I think, the first show that has done that in reverse, where we start mm. with those strange life and civilizations with characters that know hardly Very anything true. about Starfleet or the Federation and, and, oh. and the utopian ideals that it represents, mm -hmm. but then happen to come across a, a derelict Starfleet Federation ship that uh, they think is their ticket to sort of freedom and salvation. But along the way... Uh, a holographic representation of uh, Admiral or Captain Janeway uh, as their emergency training hologram um, mistakes them for cadets, and they have to fake it till they make it until they <laughs> uh, make their way back to Federation space. Oh my god! It's so fun. That's delightful. That kind of reminds me of a movie that I saw when I was a kid that really freaked me out at the time. Oh. It was a. Uh, it was like kids launching into space on accident. Space camp. Yes. There's, Did you ever see Space Camp? Yeah, I think there's. That was sort of you know when you talk about sort of uh, science fiction sort of adventure for for children in space. There's a few touchstones, and so, Space Camp was one that sort of came up as in a joking way. Did it? Amazing. Yeah, in that's the room crazy. we talked about that because that, that's you know there is sort of that when you talk about that sort of family or uh, storytelling and when i say family i use it very specifically in that it's stories that aren't just for kids or adults mm -hmm. but that that uh you can do what's called a co-viewing experience where everybody can watch it together and get right. something out of it mm -hmm. um and like rick and morty <laughs> no 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 you uh, misunderstood sort of the opposite of rick and morty oh, like, oh, oh, got but, it. Okay, but okay. that doesn't necessarily mean just you know animation or just that mm -hmm. like i would i would say there was a lot of four quadrant star trek pun intended storytelling happening you know uh in the 80s and 90s for instance of those big the, the blockbusters in your spielbergs and your camerons you know your Jurassic Parks and mm -hmm. um, you know Indiana Joneses, where there's there's like a spirit of adventure and fun, but also drama and stakes, but mm -hmm. and heart. And um, you know those are the sort of that's the sort of target audience we were go going for with this series as well. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you knew that. Do you know that movie, Ian? I haven't. No, I haven't. That must have missed me. I'm clearly far too young. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few things that like really influenced my love of sci-fi. And this one was on the border of terrifying me for space forever. Oh, because no. when I watched it, it's like the premise is interestingly like they kind of have to fake it till they make it because they sort of launched with like an accident. They just are kids going to like a little space camp at NASA and then they accidentally launch into space and then they have to get back. And then, of course, I just thought that that was possible my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not careful, I'll trip onto a uh, onto a shuttlecraft. Yeah, it's a little bit like North by Northwest meets um, Goonies, I guess. Amazing. By That's way, a great description. By way of uh, you know uh, Apollo 13. <laughs> Amazing. That's perfect. That's such a fascinating thing too to figure out. Like when you're talking about this this massive world of Star Trek, and you're thinking of a new way of approaching it, and going, it, it's not necessarily changing everything it's just starting from a different perspective mm -hmm. that's really fun yeah and that's the thing is like we we come i i think a lot of the shows that have that are, have come to this point heretofore we just assume that it means oh it has to be a bunch of seasoned officers on a mm -hmm. bridge you know that that they are already know their jobs and they know what they're doing and they have their mission but then you have shows like deep space nine which kind of blew that up and at the time it was very controversial 
But now, in retrospect, people, it's beloved as this mm-hmm. series that sort of acknowledges that it's a very big galaxy out there. And uh, there are so many stories that could be told that the Federation is a part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily just a, a retread of, of TOS or TNG or mm-hmm. Voyager. But each one has their own flavor. And, and especially in this, what I've called kind of the third wave of Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, you know, post Roddenberry, post Berman, yeah. uh, every show needs to ca- kind of have its own character. Yeah, it's got to have its own USP. And there's definitely mm-hmm. seems to be this leaning of getting more into what would it really be like? Like people aren't perfect. We all have our foibles and faults. And seeing that in shows now is, is far more common and far more relatable. And the more diversity, the better. I think that's that's definitely true. But like what I'm noticing with revisiting Star Trek is it's it's like there's just such a care for it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of this, this getting into Star Trek. It reminds me of when I watched Lord of the Rings, uh, with uh, Peter's Lord of the Rings when they came out, and how much care went into them, and like you could tell the material was really meaningful. I get that same vibe from the people that we're talking with in the Star Trek realm, mm. um, where the content is it's like sacred text, it's like sacred stuff that you really want to do your best with, um, in a, in a totally different way. It's not like you could just slap something on it and say, "Here's Star Trek." And it just be accepted. Mm-hmm. There's a real fan love for that. Um, I guess that would lead me to a question, actually, Aaron. Like, how long have you been a fan of Star Trek? Um, I mean, perhaps it's cliche to say I've been a fan of it my whole life, but uh, literally one of my earliest memories as a sentient human being is uh, sitting on the couch with my dad. And I remember seeing like the Enterprise D soaring through space and then mm. uh, the the saucer section separating from the secondary hall. Yeah. And there was a fanfare sweeping and it was very exciting. Bum, and I bum, didn't bum, know bum, why. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized years later, because I'm a child of the 80s, it, that I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation's pilot live premiere way back oh, in September wow. in 1987. Um, oh my gosh! And my my dad was a hardcore Star Trek fan, and obviously I was feeding off of his energy a mm. little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean he he was a big TOS fan, and he loved TNG as well. And we you know we we went to all the TNG movies together. Like that was you know so some of the probably the most hardcore movies I saw when I was a little younger than I should have yeah. with Star right? Trek movies, <laughs> uh, especially like Insurrection with that dude exploding and his like his face coming oh, off. His face getting really stretched. Dowdy getting his yeah. face stretched off. That is dark as heck. Yeah. He was yeah. like, Dad? <laughs> no, I, I walked out like I felt like I'd gotten away with something. And nice. my dad was just like, that was a good movie. That was solid. I like that. Uh, we almost, it sounds like we were twins or something. We had such a similar introduction <laughs> so like my earliest memory similarly is with my dad and it's the enterprise coming on screen sweeping in but everything is going to shit and it blows up before the opening credits and mm. cause and effect is the first yeah, ever cause and effect. memory that, that i had and yeah the same thing going to the movies with my, but my dad was so like bluntly honest he'd come out of each one and say uh, wasn't really that good. Whereas I'm just like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is yeah. new Star Trek. I love it so much. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I didn't quite have like the sort of the the cinematic language yet yeah, to express exactly. what I liked and didn't like. And what I liked about it was like, it was just like a really big, expensive episode yes. of Star Trek. Which I was like, yeah, <laughs> my, I, my of course I'm going to love it. it like that. It was just like, well, it just felt like a two-parter of TNG. And I'm like, heck, yes, it did. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. Because this, like... It, it's. I feel like younger, like zennials. I know it's it's 
it's passe to make fun of Zoomers or whatever, but I but I feel like they're never going to understand mm. in this age where every episode is expected to look like a feature film, like what it was like of just like you loving something, <laughs> and then it finally gets the feature film treatment, and it's they huge. get the budgets they want. And it's it's such a mind blowing experience. It is like <laughs> it's so when new fans like we're really lucky. We've got some awesome fans of the podcast that have that actually haven't watched any Star Trek yet. And they're asking None. how they get into it. And it's so tricky because I don't want them to be put off by the 80s-ness of some of it. But the 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 you kind of want to give them the bedrock of it. But it's kind of just get into the new stuff and then revisit the old whenever you can. Yeah, and that was and, and, uh, sort of one of our mandates on Star Trek Prodigy was uh, that was a, a question that I've been wrestling with for mm. a very long time. Whenever somebody found out that I was a Star Trek fan and they would ask me inevitably, well, where do I start? And mm. my answer was like, I don't know, watch I, I like a hundred episodes and then it. you'll kind of <laughs> absorb it by osmosis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, How much time do you have? <laughs> You know, because a lot of people will say Wrath of Khan, and I feel like that's as good a place as any, but I don't think you get quite the same, like, out of it, not Mm. knowing the backstory of the characters and what the the spoiler alert, what the death of Spock really means Mm -hmm. to Kirk if you don't, if you've only kind of, you know, (laughs) like, so, so that's, so for Prodigy in particular, we were like, you know, it's not going to be perhaps the way in that people expect, but like, what if we did sort of take something that was skewed towards like the young adult audience mm-hmm. of people that may not have that same exposure without maybe didn't have that parent who forced them to watch, you know, uh, <laughs> parallels over and over again or, or Times Arrow. I did that too tonight. Uh, I mean, we watched <laughs> Parallels. That was one of the first episodes we watched yeah. together. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many, I think there's only so many five-year-olds out there that can get enthralled by inner light. You know, uh-huh. I feel like that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that, so we were like, what if we kind of deconstruct Star Trek at its core? Mm. And, you know, we realized as we were kind of talking with the room, which, you know, half of them were like really hardcore Trekkies like me. And then I'd say the other half were people that had like their favorite series mm-hmm. or their favorite movies, you know. And so as we kind of had this dialogue, we realized like, oh, there's a lot of stuff that is just completely taken for granted that you only kind of figure out by a you know osmosis or by exposure Mm -hmm. like you know there's not really many episodes that sit down and explain like oh the universal translator operates by (laughs) reading brainwaves like and they just kind of we just just made up or not not necessarily made up but we filled in the gaps of well this is why the lips don't match what they're saying and and yeah. so on. And and there's like some there's certainly some good episodes that deal with that, like Darmok, for instance. Oh, my but goodness, yeah. it you know, that's season five. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, like <laughs> it, waited a long time like, to do that. Yeah. And so like <laughs> if you tell them like, oh, we'll watch a bunch of TNG episodes and eventually get to that, and then you'll figure out kind of how it works. Uh-huh. But even that yeah. episode's sort of weird because it's it deals more with the limitations of it, uh, in terms of metaphor. And so it's mm-hmm. like a very heady kind of take on an already esoteric concept. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's so many other things like that like the transporters and the prime directive which you know with the prime directive in particular i would agree i i would argue that even star trek has been a little loose with its exact definition oh, over kidding? the years it was just practically non-existent in some episodes yeah. just like eh, we don't need it this time yeah and i was actually shocked to discover that uh our our show prodigy was the first 
Star Trek show to ever put it on screen oh. of like what it actually says. <laughs> yeah, all the other no, times it was just right. paraphrased or kind of oh. half referenced. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's you're like, let me show you the scripture. Here we go. I've got it. <laughs> yeah, which which interestingly we pulled from uh, from Beta Canon. Uh, David A. Goodman, who you know was a, he was a writer for Star Trek Enterprise, and he uh, famously wrote uh, the Futurama episode where no fan has gone before. Mm with the Star Trek characters yeah. and he, he's a, he's a hardcore Star Trek fan. He like, I I've chatted with him a little bit over the years and like he, he was like, uh, he's read all of the Horatio Hornblower novels oh, that, that inspired Gene Roddenberry to create Star Trek. Wow. <laughs> so, that's some, that's some knowledge, but the, it, we took it from his book that he had written. That was the B, beta canon. It was like the hi history of the Federation, the mm -hmm. first 150 years. And he had a very good definition of it. So we put that on screen. That's amazing. But little stuff like that, that had never really been sat down and explained. We're like, what if we do a whole episode about introducing those concepts mm -hmm. to new and young audiences? Oh, that's so smart. Because then you're also drawing in that longtime fan that like kind of craves that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then it's also new and from a new perspective. So you kind of have the best of both worlds there. Hey, yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's like a re <laughs> that was an accident. That was, that was totally an accident. Water part two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wound up like, you know, it took a, a little bit of time for people to realize that's what we were doing. You know, mm. we, we kind of started with very simple stuff like, well, simple stuff like the universal translator. And then we got into, you know, how away missions work and or go awry. <laughs> on a oh, and then, yeah. But then we started to get into like how the holodeck works, you know, mm -hmm. how um, how first contact works, uh, and then you know how time anomalies work, and it just oh, started so like good. all this stuff starts like compounding and snowballing, and we realized that just with the threads we created, we we're able to create this really cool sort of um, you know vehicle just for our season and the story of our characters mm -hmm. that tells both a self-contained story, but also you know enhances and embraces all of the canon that came before, and it's oh, yeah, so it's great. been a really fun kind of. Experience. Uh, experiment yeah well this has been a great interview i've got to go watch the show now so <laughs> we'll see you it's in nice to meet ten, you. 10 lots of 20 minutes um it, yeah. it really is a beginner's guide to star trek but in a not a preachy going to school kind of way it is it's really, really clever the way it does it does it um that leads really nicely into you <laughs> no pressure probably had and still have the most important job in like all of Star Trek at the minute, because this is the show that's aimed at the youngest audience. And if you're going to guarantee a future audience and a future growth of the, like, of the franchise, a great way to do it is to aim it at kids. So either you get them into Star Trek for life or you put them off for life. So how did, how did like all of you feel with that pressure? Did you acknowledge that pressure or just think we're just going to make an entertaining show and do our, do our best with it. You know what's funny is I, I think everybody involved with the show was so excited about it mm. and excited about the, the, the challenge, but also about the world. We were so passionate about it that it didn't occur to us that we would make a bad show because we were all... <laughs> That's <laughs> great. We were just like, we're, this is going to be great. Failure and is not an we option. Get, we get... Yeah, we get to do all the things that that I always wanted to do on a Star Absolutely. Trek show. Yeah, I mean there was there was a certain pressure, especially with the minutia mm. uh, to get it right. But that was less about putting off new and young audiences, but and more about winning the approval of <laughs> the hardcore nerds yeah. like myself. Man, have you thought about how it's sort of like in a in a, in a very direct way, uh, like a legacy. 
because how you got into Star Trek, Aaron, and you, Ian, was sitting with your parents watching this, mm-hmm. and now you've created a show that's designed to do just that. So you're kind of like, I don't know, you're passing on this really incredible opportunity to consume something that is in this sci-fi genre that has so much more to offer because, yeah, you can start off watching something like this, and then as you get into it, there's so much more to consume, which is where I'm at now. Like there's, so, I don't even, I'm just <laughs> swimming in Star Trek at this point. It's everywhere. <laughs> I could turn and just point and we have something to consume. We have mm-hmm. something to watch. So it's just neat. I'm kind of, it's not lost on me that both of you had this really powerful memory of just sitting there with your parent, you know, enjoying something, not quite understanding even the, the how big it is mm-hmm. and the history of it and how important it is to television and storytelling and writers and all of that. And now you're you're doing the same you're doing the same thing. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a challenge that we took lightly. And and as we were making the show, it was sort of like in our wildest dreams, like wow, this could be the sh- one day. This could be someone ten years from now. Is like that was my Star yes. Trek growing up, which is a I can't even it's process that. It will absolutely uh, happen. Pause the show and cry. <laughs> yeah, but I've already. I every day I get like tweets and messages from fans that were like, you know, I've tried with every other Star Trek series and I could, just couldn't get my kids into it until this show. And this That's is finally amazing. the show that I can watch with my kids, or it's the show that I can watch with my grandpa and my kids together. And when I see those messages, I'm like. Man, like that's that's my prime directive. Yeah, <laughs> like to, to just uh, we have to indoctrinate the next yes, generation. That's right. <laughs> Bring them in. It's, that's right. It's one of and I can't. I don't know how I'm ever going to get to see this, but I really want to see the kids that watched Prodigy and see the hologram of Captain Janeway, this awesome role model with no previous knowledge of Voyager, and the day that they work out that they have seven seasons of Janeway leading the charge to to watch and enjoy. That's going to be such a moment for so many kids. I know. And and what's interesting is I, I think I've actually seen a few messages from fans who have said like, you know, this is the first Star Trek that I've shared with them. Mm. And then they, they immediately just sort of, you know, gravitated to uh, Kate Mulgrew's Gravitas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, you know, that's sort of both motherly, but also sort of, um, not avuncular, whatever the aunt version of avuncular sort of mentorship, um, uh, you know, and and that that kindness and that warmth, but also that strength. Like mm. they, you know, I think all of us, it, it's just a, a trick that Kate is so good at with it with her her sort of poise mm-hmm. and panache uh, that you know the kids sort of loved the character of Janeway unaware, and it was only after a few episodes where they were like, you know, some they were like, which who's your favorite characters? And then like, I love Janeway, and then she's like, you know, there's a whole show with her. <laughs> Just you wait. And then they showed episodes of Star Trek Voyager, and they sat and watched oh, them and grabbed attention because that. And voice... I'm like, it's working. Yes, <laughs> this is it. This is the gateway drug into into Star yes. Trek. That's amazing. I feel the same way about Spock right now. Uh, because I know who Spock is. I mean, yeah. But then, like, my first like understanding of Spock is in Strange New Worlds. So, like, my Spock is this Spock that's on this new show that's doing this whole other thing, and I know that there's so much more I can go watch now, mm. and it's really interesting because, like, that's my like my hook for the the original series is watching Spock in Strange New Worlds. And it's just such a cool thing. Like how many franchises have the opportunity to have all these like pieces oh, together so of this lore? It's such a unique experience. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I, I love mean, that I- the kids are loving Janeway. I love Janeway because I was a TNG girl. So I would run home from school and I'd watch TNG 
And then when it flipped to Voyager was right whenever I was in my rebellious teen years and didn't care about anything anymore. So like she was great and everything, but I was kind of like over any like authority figure. And so I wasn't watching that show any longer. <laughs> but um, it was really powerful to see a woman, you know, at the helm. And to, that was that was a big deal. I remember feeling like that was a really big deal to see yeah. that. So. Well, it's it's funny because I think Voyager is going through a bit of a renaissance right now of Absolutely. like sort of reappreciation because there were hardcore Voyager fans out there that kind of kept the 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 pyre of Gondor lit, mm-hmm. uh, and you know now I think there's sort of a reassessment, you know, which always happens. That's the cycle of Star Trek mm-hmm. of like the new Star Trek is not my old Star Trek, and therefore I don't like it as much. Yeah. And then you come back to it. <laughs> Enterprise is like, finally getting its arrival now in yes. so many ways. Like, hey, season three was great. Yes, it was great when it came out, you morons. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I understand though because whenever I whenever I see any sort of new entrance into a beloved franchise of my own i have to kind of readjust my own expectations Mm -hmm. and also like i have to take off the nostalgia filters a little bit of like Mm -hmm. because sometimes you'll go back and watch the thing that you felt in your heart of hearts was absolutely perfect you're like oh it it had flaws too but (laughs) that's okay like all art has flaws and sometimes it's those very strange sort of gnarly bits that don't get sanded off Mm -hmm. or the things that make it unique or allow it to be unique. Yeah. You know, I if you rewatch the original Star Wars: A New Hope, the first like forty five minutes, most the most of what happens is just there's two two droids wandering <laughs> around a desert. It's like, super sandy. The pacing is wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, but you don't remember that. Mm. You remember, yeah. oh, they're in the desert, but then Luke finds out about his destiny and then he's the Death Star and, you know, and then mm-hmm. fights Darth Vader. It's the big like, stuff you remember. Yeah. And you also remember it in the context of the trilogy, which also is incredible, but also has its own issues, you know? But lightsabers, yay! Uh, that's the thing is like, you remember that. And I feel like Star uh, Star Trek is the same way. Like, I, I, I don't think anybody on the planet would disagree with me that there are a number of even original series episodes that aren't great, mm. but you don't, but you don't, that doesn't necessarily denigrate the rest of the series. Mm. You know, it's, it, it just means that you look at it more holistically. Mm. And, you know, I think anytime a new Star Trek comes along, there's going to, there's that a little bit of like, I, this isn't familiar. Is <laughs> this, this is, is this what I want? Yeah. Do I like this? And then, <laughs> and then after you know a few a few episodes, you start to get on the wavelength of what they're going for, and then mm-hmm. and then before you know it, you're like, wow, I I love these characters. What happened? Yeah, I can't wait yeah. for the next season. I feel like I've always known them. Yeah, the yeah. storytelling changes too because the things that like TOS would do or TNG would do, like the the way that stories were told when these uh, episodes were being filmed or when they were being written stories were told differently like you said the pacing was different or the the way that they would present you know a circumstance between two people would be very different uh in 70s than it would be in 2020 Mm. so i think that's another really interesting thing when you go back and watch the things that kind of stand out it's like oh we wouldn't have that conversation the same way at all now that's actually kind of like an appropriate in 2020 version but it's still an important thing to look back on and go but look how far storytelling has come or look how far we've come and how we're talking about things um and that's just part of content creation and and star trek is a huge content creation Mm -hmm. machine uh which of course ian and i and yourself can appreciate because we just create content all the time like we're writing scripts so you know we'd write sometimes as a team we write five scripts sometimes a week uh, on our team to to go wow. into production. So, and those are for short 
you know, videos that maybe are, you know, 18 minutes long or so, but that's, it's still just this churning of creating and ideas and how we're going to like piece these things together. And then with storytelling aspect of it, man, I, it's to me, that's the fascinating part. And again, it's something I talk about almost every time we do one of these episodes. I just, I, the quality and the care of it is something that I think you can just tell. Mm. You can tell when you go into a restaurant and you know that they're caring. You can tell when you go into places and the people that are uh, producing or they're um, making it a welcome space for people to enjoy. You can tell when they care. And that's been really fun to experience, um, honestly, because you know my time is precious. Everyone's time is precious. So it's nice to know that what you're watching is something that people have spent a lot of time thinking about. And I think in, with any sort of art creation, it's important that nobody sets out to make a bad thing. I don't think anybody nobody wants to make a bad movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like even if they wanted to be campy, they want it to be a good campy film. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like all, all art is a miracle Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. (laughs) And so uh, I, I, and I realize the irony of me saying this on the cinema sins podcast. (laughs) No, it's not wrong though. Yeah. It's interesting because cinema sins is like everyone loves like movies and television, we we genuinely love it. The idea is, well, what if we just did something like we pretended like we hate it and we just we've watched it too many times? Yeah. Well, that that was my introduction to world building as a kid. Is I would literally sit on the playground and all I would do all day with my friends is like we would just like hang out on the jungle gym and say. So, you know, what if the Terminator fought the Predator? Do, <laughs> you know, yeah. Who would win? You know, uh, would Lord of the Rings be the same, you know, if, uh, if a, a giant sandworm from Arrakis showed up? Like, right. like, that's all we would talk about. So good. And, it would, and we would just, like, deconstruct yeah. the stories you like. What, what didn't work about them? What did, you know? Gosh, that's so interesting because that plays into how you're creating Prodigy, too. Because you took this Star Trek and you deconstructed it and then you recreated it into this new thing that's just getting such positive feedback. It's got to yeah. feel awesome. And I think with when it comes to any sort of creative storytelling, it's always helpful to kind of, you know, I think it's a little bit of a, a misnomer to think that, you can create something that is truly wholly original no because yeah everything is standing on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. yeah. you know whether you like it or not you are influenced by or informed by or reacting to this massive swaying tower of culture mm-hmm. and uh you know your your conversation with that is what can generate you know something mm-hmm. new to the dialogue but you know you, it's you have to just kind of go into it with the expectation that inevitably you're going to be compared to other things and mm-hmm. also the thing that you're creating owes a lot to those other things yeah. even if you're actively trying to subvert them or undercut them or deconstruct them or yeah. whatever um and in our case we just we loved the thing that we were doing and so we just kind of broke it down to constituent parts and put it in a remix and then realized like oh that's just how they made all star trek they just took <laughs> a weird <laughs> idea and said what if this happened yeah yeah that um that crossover story it accidentally like segues really nicely into probably probably my favorite and it's the Kobayashi Maru episode which must mm. be your most most asked about episode just that briefly for Danae, the the lead the main character has stumbles into the holodeck and ends up in an updated version of the Kobayashi Maru um hologram program which is a training exercise about a no win scenario where no matter what you do you lose and it's supposed to teach cadets that this is something you have to handle as as a captain you may not be able to win 
But on this version, you can pick your own crew. So we have Hura at the con. We have Spock as the second officer. We have Scotty as the chief engineer. Um, who else do we do we have on the bridge? Uh, well, he uh, he had o- Odo as yes. a security officer. Oh, I loved Odo, <laughs> and it's um, yeah. it's amazing. But the the Beverly Crusher is medical officer. Okay, I'm I'm there. The I'm, this is awesome. Beautiful thing about this episode is that instead of getting new voice actors to come in and voice the parts. Audio was just pulled from, I say just, audio was pulled from previous episodes and spliced into the episode. So it was the original actors talking. And that was goosebumps to hear Leonard Nimoy talking on the bridge of the Enterprise D and interacting with it. How did you pull that off? Because that that was tricky (laughs) to make it sound organic. And was it a deliberate choice to obviously use the original audio instead of getting new actors in? Like what an episode to pull off. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right, and I do get asked about it a lot because I, I wrote that episode <laughs> and produced it, but but people do seem to really react to it, uh, and it's pretty overwhelmingly positive. And mm-hmm. it was it was a labor of love, and uh, when I say labor, I I mean it. It was very hard to make. Yeah, I bet. Um, because you know, people tend to think, oh, you surely Star Trek just has a big database, and you just nope. type in the words that you want, and I've it'll pop up it. all. The- <laughs> it does not exist. <laughs> no. I had to do reverse Boolean searches in Google, oh, and man. I wound up rewatching about thirty or forty Star Trek episodes, top to bottom, uh-huh. and reading scripts for about eighty or ninety. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh! And then sometimes you would you'd find what you think is the perfect line, and then you'd track it down in the time code of the episode episode and and then yeah. it wouldn't work because those old 1960s mics were just oh, like little no. boom guy was just trying to pick it up as he went and it was on no, magnetic tape. No. um or you know some or they just said it weird or they were picking yeah. up a, a glass as they were saying mm-hmm. it or there's background noise or that, yeah. wasn't that, the even on the isolated track <laughs> yeah um so it was it was a lot of trial and error and sort of massaging and tweaking mm. and i wish i had more time but i think everybody understood the spirit of what i was trying to oh, do it, and yeah. it came it's and you're absolutely right in that you know we briefly discussed like well do we kind of do we recast people but then we realized that's not really the point mm-hmm. of this uh you know and also on top of that we realized um you know, a number of the lines that we wanted Spock to say were things that he had already said, you know, that were kind of like encapsulating elements of his philosophy and that and his mentorship to Kirk and others over the years. And and we were like, well, maybe we could at least preserve Leonard Nimoy. And then as we kind of dug deeper, we realized, you know, we could do that with everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we intended to bring um, as many of the voice actors back. And, you know, I had written roles for um, Michelle Nichols and for Renee Aubergenois, mm-hmm. but unfortunately Renee uh, passed away, and uh, and Michelle, I didn't realize, you know, how unwell she was. So uh, at that point, we kind of made a choice, like, well, we're, we I put them in because I love their characters, and I think they were. Yeah. I really wanted to honor them. I'm not going to just recast them because the, because of this or that. So I, I doubled down, and it wound up being like months more work. Mm. But I managed to find all the episode, uh, all the lines that I needed to put together, sort of a narrative. And something else I found interesting that with the Kobayashi Maru scenario specifically is that it kind of you know all Star Trek scenes of that nature kind of follow the same rhythm mm-hmm. of like, we've detected a thing. Yeah. Uh, like let's scan, do a multi-spectral sensor sweep. <laughs> oh, we've detected something strange. Enemies have decloaked. Shields <laughs> We're up. under fire. Damage report. Shields up. Yeah. 
damage. So like it, it in I I felt like I was losing my mind after <laughs> where I was like I I see I see the Ur Star Trek scene. Yep. I can see the code behind the matrix. <laughs> I know too um, much. I need the red pill. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was a really interesting experiment, mm. and the fact that it came out at, at, even as well as it did, I, I'm thankful to our production team mm. and our directors, you know, because uh, it was it w- required a lot more effort mm. than uh, even most of the other episodes because of it. There was so much trial and error and revisions yeah. and stuff. But I I kind of became the the producer and quasi directed some of it mm-hmm. just to try to get it as get it to work and. Um, you know, the response has been, uh, really overwhelming to that episode as well. Um, you know, both because I love holodeck episodes mm-hmm. and because I love Star Trek. Hey, <laughs> I, yeah. was like, I have to get this right. It's gotta be done. Um, it's, so I knew the show was, was special. I knew it was, it was doing something different and I was enjoying it, but it was that episode where I thought, oh, this is really, really special. Like there is a level of care and we don't have to do anything like that on the same scale, but there is a lot of searching that we have to do and a lot of sifting through things. So I just had a little like fraction of an appreciation for what it what it must have taken to pull that off. And yeah, well, after that yeah. episode, I absolutely sold. And I was like, well, these these guys, they care. They definitely care. Yeah, well, that was also by design and intent because mm. we did sort of, we didn't want to, as I kind of alluded to before, we didn't want to start with throwing kids into the deep end mm. or new audiences into the deep end of like, okay, you're on a bridge and you just have yeah, to know what this people. stuff means. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all doing their parts. So we, we kind of kept a lot, we kept a lot of the really hardcore star, star Trek Ness at sort of arm's length for the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So you get to know the characters on their own terms and their gradual introduction to these ideas. So we knew up, up front the first four or five episodes will be, would be a little bit light, mm-hmm. with the exception of stuff you know that we can sprinkle in. The glory shots be like Dota Star, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. But that endowed Klingon bird yes. of praise and you know uh, Lurian miners <laughs> yeah. and you know and, and you know just be like, don't worry, guys, it's coming. It's okay. Oh, um, we'll fine. get to you, you <laughs> brainiacs, then, in a minute. <laughs> yeah, and then once we kind of got past that first sort of mini arc of those first five episodes, that where the the crew was together mm-hmm. and their mission was sort of set, we were like, all right, this is and, and this is the episode where we can go a little a little more hog wild, um, and you know, all eyes just kind of turned to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get the fishing rod out. You you're going on a hunt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and it was uh, and I, I I I we we went a little bit more than I think we normally would, mm. you know, in terms of like, uh, for lack of a better term, fan service, mm. but also just injecting pure Star Trek past yes. and present, oh, quite fun. literally injecting it into the episode. Yes, but you know, it was it was this really um, fun experience to just oh, that's so cool. Basically, just say, hey, all these shows that supposedly exist in the same universe. I, I can finally just f- put it all in one episode. That's incredible. That's got to hold the record for the most crossover of different it does. things. Yeah, because you've got obviously Voyager, Deep Space Nine, the original series. Um, until you do it again. Yeah, until you do it again. <laughs> get somebody in from Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, I, that's the funny thing is like I originally had written, gone even more overboard and I think I'd written 12 crew members. <laughs> oh, on the no. French. But then you realize um, you needed to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, there's just a physical limit of how many characters you can design and mm. animate. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> And they're yeah. like, we can't do it. You have to pare it down to like Pick five your six or six. <laughs> no, don't make me choose. 
at one point I had data in there. One point I had mm-hmm. Wharf in there. At one mm-hmm. point I had uh, um, Trip from Enterprise oh, in there. Amazing. And I know, but I, and you know, is but what you but ended you up with was incredible. You can do it again later. Yeah, you can do it again later. There's always you could do more of that. I did have a question about the character like creation and stuff. Like when you and are we're kind of creating this, you sit down and you have this idea and this vision, and then there's like a, an artist team that sort of begins to put together character builds. Did you have a character in mind from the very beginning and you saw them and you just described it? Or is it was a like an art team sort of responsible for like bringing some of these uh, people and alien creatures and things to life for you guys? And Murphs. <laughs> Murph and Murph. Uh, Murph was by far the hardest character to design mm. of, of all of them. Which you you think which is it, I was like, oh, he's just a cute little <laughs> slug. Like, but it's actually deceptively hard to draw to create a cute slug. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like we is. went so through. They, I, yeah. I, I can't remember if they even have yeah, a gender. He, Murph is a he. he yes. Yeah. Um, uh, zero is non-binary. Yes. Uh, but but uh, but yes, like it was. Um, it was an incredible challenge. We went through so many iterations of Murph before we settled on one. Because we originally like thinking like, oh, he's just like a, a sea slug. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, a species of sea slug uh, that have lo- like sort of cool frills on yeah. them. So we sent them Ooh. some of those. Um, and then they were like, this is too crazy. <laughs> and we had to peel it back. Simmer down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a collaboration. Uh, uh, you know, we, we kind of ha- can have a vision just mm-hmm. to kind of give them a target to hit. Right. But inevitably, you know, as they kind of do ideation and sort of art exploration, they'll come up with stuff that even we didn't think about. Oh, or they'll say, so fun. Or they'll say like, hey, you know, instead of the, the, the nacelles doing this, or what if they did this? Oh. And it's so much cooler than Don't what we originally thought. We're like, all right, let's lean into that. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. is that the reason you want to get a three D printer, Ian? Is so that you well, can three D print everything? I mean, if Eagle Moss aren't going to be around in their current form, I got to get me a Protostar somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, that chip design is gorgeous. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be so fun. I don't know. There's just this like, and I, we've talked about this a little bit before. There's just this fascinating part as a story creator myself, where it's like to create something, and then a team begins to bring it to life mm. and add things, and you're just like, yes, whoa. Not that, but you close and just you know, just <laughs> that's this... way better than I thought it was going to be. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to sit in that room with all these people that are just collectively putting something together that's just fastly coming to life. Just, you're just on this trajectory and you're going this way, and that's yeah, going to feel pretty it, crazy. It is a really fun experience to. You know, just just like that weird half-baked idea I had in the back of my head is now a fully living and breathing, yeah. moving around character. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's wild. Um, and, you know, wh- I also worked uh, with the Hageman brothers on a show called Tales of Arcadia for Netflix mm. uh, from Guillermo del Toro and uh, DreamWorks Animation. And he, Guillermo used to have days where he would he would literally just bring in an army of his artists that he would work in wow. and we would just just take 3 days off and everybody would just like draw based on some of like this the, the random ideas that we had thrown out if anyone needs a team of drawers to tap into their brain it's Guillermo del Toro definitely <laughs> just like, I need this entourage with me because my brain is producing some stuff that I need on paper <laughs> Well, he's he's quite a good artist even unto himself, mm. but you know, he he's he has such a defined style mm. now that uh, you know, he he's able to just say, you know, make it like this or make it like that and it just kind of 
it's like watching cathedrals assemble yeah. in midair. It's incredible. That's, awesome. That's amazing. Watching cathedrals assemble in air. And then like, if he's listening, hi, thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure that he's is you. That's like what a way to be described. Yeah, exactly. I want someone to describe me that way someday. Holy crap! From now on, I will. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> can that be my introduction next episode? Yes, it can. I promise. <laughs> Constructed out of cathedral rocks. I know. I'll just make you sound old by accident. Sorry. Yeah, you. Will. <laughs> I'm an ancient woman. We saw um, we saw an awesome picture on Twitter of the the writers' room having a pizza party. So that that leads yes. really nicely into what's that right? Is it a actual writers' room now? Like how collaborative is it? Because we we had the like pleasure of talking to us um, to Fred Bronson who wrote on some Star Trek ep- uh, TNG episodes, and yeah. back then it's much more you pitch a script, you write it, and then somewhere down the line it happens. But this feels way more like a collaborative team that's putting together this show so what's that what's that writer's room like yeah we had a proper writer's room uh you know where all of us were there every day for season one we were there every day in person because believe it or not it takes that long to make these episodes this was Uh pre-pandemic uh it was uh, around i think 2019 the uh, for like eight months we just kind of sat every day that's way earlier than i thought it was wow uh, and then just wrote, uh, you know, uh, wrote and I ideated and thought thought about stuff and had sidebar conversations mm-hmm. and, and riffed. And, you know, both myself and the Hagemans very much have a sort of a democratic approach where, you know, when you're running a writer's room, we tend to um, say, like, you know, uh, anybody can pitch anything and I'm just going to be the referee. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, obviously you, you guide that a little bit by providing feedback of like, uh, I like that, but that doesn't quite answer this question or this, but, but beyond that, you know, if, even if you have an, I, you want to bring up a, a thing that might, uh, you know, throw a wrench in the, in the works. Uh, I would rather hear those. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There might be a nugget there that we can work on. Yeah. And then be like, and be like, oh, you have an issue because of this. Well, what if we did this? Right. And you, then it mm-hmm. becomes this way more interesting, gnarly idea yeah. that has all those weird bits on it that make Star Trek amazing when <laughs> they keep you up at night. And <laughs> like, wait, so if Data's head was in a cave for 500 years, <laughs> yes. how did that work? <laughs> amazing. That's incredible. I love that collaborative process. I kind of imagine it'd be like someone says like, okay, what if we did an episode about seat belts? And then like someone's like, okay, and what if we, you know Let's what I mean? It just sort of rain just- it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, no, but maybe, you know, just these, and then it just kind of becomes this other thing. We do collaborative writing every once in a while mm. also, and it takes longer, but our work is better because it's not Always, just, yeah. you know, five lines written by Danae. It's, five lines that started off as an idea of mine that turned into everyone adding something that's now this something that it could have never been without all of us talking about it at the same time. And it does take a director and does take someone kind of leading that conversation and then choosing when to land like, okay, this is good. We're going to move on. And you kind of, I I just think that that would be such a cool thing. I would love to be on a fly on a wall on Mm. that. Actually, I would just love to be doing anything. I would bring coffee (laughs) or whatever. Just inspiration. It reminds me of what, like, so when we were talking with Fred, he was talking about, like, back in the day, he'd be, like, hanging out and be like, hey, yeah, just, hey, Gene, what's up? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, this, to have like what a to world Gene to be in. Pitch, uh, pitch an idea to him. Like, just had this idea about, um, about a candle. 
and yeah, yeah just this 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 idea that i had once <laughs> oh it's like it's like the you know what Sir, the great vulcan philosopher Sirac would say may we together be greater uh than the sum of both of us mm -hmm. you know it's it very much is sort of as you were saying like any one of us could come up with something at 2 a.m. staring at a blank screen, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it would ever be as good as something that, that, that when you have, you know, five or six brilliant minds all kind of piggybacking and yes anding each other, you can yeah. come up with something very, very interesting very quickly. Um, and that's, that's like, you know, chicken feed for my brain. Mm -hmm. Like I go, cr like let, uh, fireworks go off when I start hearing, you know, all these different ideas coming from every side. And it, it's, I, I love that. That, that. That's like my happy place yeah, is okay. being in a room with a bunch of smart people just kind of <laughs> deep diving into the weirdest crap you could imagine. Yeah, you know it's going to be so season fun. Season three, episode four, this happened. It's like, whoa, yeah, let's do that. Let's go. Is it wrong to ask the opposite side of that and, and ask like, what is one of the hardest parts of what, you have to do like if that's something that just fires you and gets you so excited and mm -hmm. like propels you forward is there a part of the creative process that you just sort of dread because there are definitely parts of that that yeah. that we all have i think in our lives it's like i do this so well and it just comes so easily but this i suffer yeah well i mean the ironic thing is that but the thing i lo like the least is being a doctor no the mm. the i hate being the person who just says you can't do that because of canon <laughs> Like yes. <laughs> I, I don't like doing it. I'm very good uh -huh. at it, and but I, I don't like to do it. Mm -hmm. But the what's kind of nice about the rich fifty-five plus years of of canon that we can draw from is that it's deeply contradictory. <laughs> like, you can get away <laughs> and, with this because Star Trek got away with it in nineteen ninety-four. <laughs> yeah, you just have to justify it in, uh -huh. within the the, the 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 sandbox that you're uh -huh. playing in. Yeah. So, and you know, if years of Dungeons and Dragons has taught me anything, is that rules lawyering yes. is, is an important skill to have <laughs> in any creative without endeavor. killing all of the fun. Um, there are some yes. things that we just should let be what they are mm -hmm. because it's just foundational. Sure. But we can play a little bit over here and have some fun. Mm -hmm. No, and kind yeah. of redirect rules the creativity. <laughs> well, I can't remember who, who said it, but there's this sort of writing rule, I guess, or suggestion that, that uh, you know, you can any great story can have one coincidence in it. Mm, like yeah. you can get away with, with one coincidence and that's what you need to just sort of be the inciting incident of the story. Mm. And uh, it's only when you have too many things that are that are convenient that nothing is. Exactly. Um, you can't have the hurricane, mm. the meteor strike, the alien invasion, and this other huge pandemic happening all at once in one story. Because it's unless one that's of them. the premise of the episode. Okay. Exactly. I was just the thinking episode. that. Oh, we're in a holodeck where it just keeps generating yes, exactly. every single apocalyptic you event. That's exactly a right. And that's a fun episode. That is. Feel Let's free do... to submit that to to the <laughs> Berman Writers Room. I look Loaded. forward to seeing that. How, how do we submit to the Writing Room? By the way, is there's like a dot. <laughs> org.com <laughs> situation yeah well submit. that's that's the one unfortunate sort of uh side effect i suppose of of writing so uh uh so many shows that tend to be slightly more serialized in this age of golden age of television is that it's a lot harder to do freelance scripts mm. because mm -hmm. you can't just sort of jump in and pitch ideas you know the way that when the like the very intensely episodic stuff out of the berman era mm you know, where they did have that PO box or that phone call, that phone number you could just call and say, Hey, I got a pitch. And then, and they'd be like, 
send it over. Um, <laughs> I have this idea about two aliens that fell in love. You, Let me describe it to you, you in detail. <laughs> 50 times this week. Please stop. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I, I know a lot of people that I know so many people that, uh, that, you know, that was kind of their first gig yeah. and now they're giants, you know, in the television field was they because they got an opportunity like that. You know, and if I had my druthers, I would love to eventually implement something mm. like that. But you know, even if it had to be like a, a window. But I think what's kind of replaced that is like, you know, when a new show pops out pops up, you know, through the grapevine, people kind of find out mm. like, oh, I can submit my script to this network and maybe mm. they'll pass it along. And then then you get this big pile of scripts that you can just like, I don't know who this person is, but I want to see if they're mm. a good writer and they spark my interest. So that's kind of the process as it is now. But, you know, I I, I do wish that we could return to those days where there was just like, like, like an open casting of, call or something. Imagine yeah, the ideas uh, that are out there that you just, it's hard to get hold of them because of the sheer volume. But yeah, there's some crazy oh, yeah. stuff that hasn't even been imagined yet. I feel sure. that pain. That's a question we get too is like, how could I write for you guys? And it's like, oh my gosh, if we opened up the floodgates, mm -hmm. managing all of that content to read through and find those brilliant minds is so tricky. And it's just, there's not necessarily the best way to do it. Mm. But yeah. But I do feel like talent will out. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, like if you keep at it and you and you write a truly killer script, people will take notice mm -hmm. and you'll know you have that script because people keep like saying, telling you that and passing it along to people and then it'll start opening doors for you. So, you know, if you're in that position where you want to start writing for television seriously, just keep writing like mm -hmm. and submitting it wherever you can and, you know, find find representation or somebody that believes in you. And, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a race. Mm -hmm. You know, it took me about seven years of full time trying to write before I was able to do it uh, and make a living doing amazing. it. Amazing. So, what an amazing thing to remind everybody of. And I think Fred said a very similar thing, how many scripts he wrote that never saw the light of day. Yeah, he had uh, two that made it to actual episodes. And he was like, that was out of like 40 that we pitched. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. Then there's always that you just have to, know what you're passionate about and if it won't leave your mind and you feel like it's something that you're meant to do mm -hmm. don't be discouraged that you're in a sea of other people just keep going with what you can do and look at like that's incredible for seven years just to passionately pursue something that you enjoy and then to have the ability to you know work with this other passionate people it's not something that everyone has a chance mm -hmm. you know to experience but it's really neat that you get to represent the creation of something that so many people are enjoying. It's got to feel so good. Yeah. And selfishly, I want people to keep trying and make new shows because I want cool new shows to watch. Absolutely. I can't just make it all myself. <laughs> like, I, I want you guys to make awesome shows. <laughs> it's like a chef that's like, I know I make good food. Can someone make some for me yeah, too? <laughs> I don't want to have to cook yeah. everything and watch it all, eat it all myself. That's amazing. Do you want to do the game now, Ian? Yeah, we can do. We can do. We have a, like a quick fire. Um, yeah. Oh my no, gosh. Get, okay, I did. I'll, I did this earlier. I did this earlier, and I think I did pretty good. I have got. Before okay. we do that, I've got one final question from one of our listeners, who sure. um, is nine-year-old Amelia, who would absolutely wow. love to know if the now I think their occasion, the cat that appears in the very last mm -hmm. episode, will they be a permanent crew member and will they be returning? Oh, that, that, what mm. if that's a spoiler? Oh, no. Yeah, I, I, how do I explain 
non-disclosure agreements to, <laughs> to a nine-year-old. Uh, no, you just have to break the heart. That's all. <laughs> Ian Weddington. <laughs> Very clearly, she she her adventure is not over. You saw her go mm-hmm. off in uh, with that mining crew, and you know I suspect that her story will will continue in some way. That is a I'll put beautiful it answer. And maybe um, what's her name? Uh, Amelia. Uh, Amelia. Oh, the, the name uh, of the cat? I'm, I don't know. Actually. No, the, oh, name uh, of the child. Well, name of the child. We, did not, na- we did not name okay. the Cation oh, child in the show. It was just referred to as the Cation child. My idea was, Amelia, maybe you can write the next adventure yourself. There. there that's. Go. I mean, that's a great way to start. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe you'll you'll sell a spinoff show and yes. you'll be coming to you for a job. That's right. <laughs> amazing. That's Amelia right. the Cation cat and her mining consortium. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Okay, now the game. Now the game. Okay, now the game. Okay, you're so eager for the game. Okay, so this is a quick fire round, and you're gonna have two options. And it's just gut instinct. What do you? What would you pick? Just okay. Whatever comes from the heart. <laughs> I think I'm ready. Okay, are we ready? Okay, Spock or Tuvok? Uh, Spock. Enterprise A or Enterprise D? Oh, uh, D. <laughs> Crusher or Pulaski? Oh, Crusher. Mm, yeah, I have that reaction to all of these questions when I wrote them. Uh, Klingons or Borg? Mm, Klingons. Jamie or Picard? <laughs> Do I have to respond to that? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sure Kate Mogra is listening. <laughs> um, I grew up with Picard, so that was my captain growing up, but I've, mm-hmm. I have newfound uh, appreciation for Janeway, and she's quickly, she embodies all of them. Not an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Childhood Aaron, it was Picard. Okay, okay, good enough. Bravo, um, holo- I like it, I like it. <laughs> holodeck or Ricer? Holodeck or Ricer? Holodeck, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rock Tackle Murph. Ooh. Making you choose between the kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with Rock Talk just because she is a sweet cinnamon bun and must be protected at all costs. She absolutely is. Danae, I, I know Danae will react to to her the most. Of okay, I haven't seen it, but I chose Murph just because I like the, the word. Yep, Murph. And then I um, went and looked at the picture. I was like, I, I think I chose right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gach or Romulan Ale? Mm, uh, Gach. Okay. Beta Quadrant or, or Gamma Quadrant? Uh, gamma. Mm, risky but true risky but good yeah. choice well there's just so much more that you can explore there it's just well, there's so scratch. much about the beta quadrant we don't know yet well that's well. true but i feel <laughs> like you know the yeah the romulans are there the klingons are there it's like, risky that cat yeah. <laughs> the, the cat could Cat's there. there. I, I don't know yeah. i just i'm a deep space nine nut i love the yeah it's gonna be gamma quadrant uh morn or quark Ooh, quark mm-hmm morn's um, great but he never, but he's an yeah, enigma. Come on, one's the best. One's the best. Uh, and will the protostar make it back to the Alpha Quadrant? And will we find out what happened to Captain Chakotay? I mean, <laughs> we shall see, shall we? Oh, You're I so didn't silly. quite have the flow. I felt like if we got Wait. to flow through all of them, I could have tricked you into an answer. I, you didn't ask me that one. Okay. Would you have been able to give me an Sneaky. answer? I mean, I would pretend to know the answer for sure. What is your answer today? Um, stay tuned. Dang it. That's a good answer. I use that one on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. stay tuned. That's amazing. Uh, we matched almost every single answer, Aaron. Wow. I think mm-hmm. that says something. Mm-hmm. Feel pretty good. I don't know what good. it says, but it absolutely says something. Probably something really, really cool. You know, like meaningful, <laughs> deep. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the Zodiac. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. Yeah. You're like you're a Scorpio, Scorpio Taurus, Aries too. I can yeah. tell. 
Um, I think the final, final question I have, and you've been so kind with, with your time and spending good time chatting with us. Um, we obviously know that there's, um, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, we know there's a Lower Decks crossover live action mm-hmm. thing coming with Strange New Worlds. Prodigy is kind of well poised to, to be in the timeline with Picard and etc. Do we any, have any hope of like a crossover with that as well? Here's what if I'll say. You can say. I, 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 you know, Star Trek has a long history of uh, characters, legacy characters, and crossover characters, uh, especially in, in around the middle of the Berman era, where mm-hmm. you know you had Picard and Voyager at Deep Space Nine at different yeah. times. Spock show up on the Enterprise D. It is a long and storied history and tradition in Star Trek, and I think we will be deeply remiss if you do not see some familiar faces on our show. Okay, I like it. It was well, well poised, almost as if it was being read. <laughs> such a butt. <laughs> I'm such a butt, I had to do it. Oh, um, Aaron, it was so nice to hang out with you. Thank you so yeah, much for spending time joy. with us. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, how can where, people find you? Yeah, I took where, your job, Captain. <laughs> you did, you took over, <laughs> ambassador, get off my ship. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, where, where do people, where do you want to direct people to? Where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me uh, um, on various social media, Twitter, Instagram, at GoodAaron. That's G-O-O-D-A-A-R-O-N, because my last name's too hard to spell. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel your pain. And, then, so, and I usually treat, tweet uh, about all kinds of stuff, a lot of Star Trek, you know, any new updates on the projects uh, mm. or fun fan art, I'll certainly quote tweet or retweet. Um, and uh, if you want to... Follow the Star Trek Writers Room directly, which you know I, I have a hand in as the head writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow them at Trek Prodigy Room, and uh, it's a, got a blue check mark and everything. <laughs> it's a great and, follow. I recommend you get loads of like little nuggets come out of there, and just looks like a joyful place. Yeah, and so in, any new stuff coming down the pipeline, follow me or them, and you'll you'll see it there. So that that's how best to keep keep in touch. And obviously, check out Star Trek Prodigy on uh, Nickelodeon and Paramount Plus, and mm-hmm. or if it's international, I believe there's it's in a bunch of other places too. So as they used to say in the '90s, uh, check check your local listings. Yes. <laughs> Which is something us poor Brits have to do so often now. But yeah, it is now it is now on Paramount Plus. Hopefully that's where it's gonna stay as well. But yeah. High yes. high recommend. It's not a massive investment of time either. Um it's yeah, it's it's good stuff. Long may it Great. continue. Well thank thank you so much for having me and uh you know, Thanks, live Aaron. long and prosper. Uh, well, as we say on the podcast, live long and podsper. podsper. Ah. <laughs> wah, 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 peace, wah. peace and pod life. Peace and pod life. Yeah, I'll take it. Isn't, isn't that the response, the call and response? I, I think, it is. I, I think it's supposed to be. I need to do that. That's what I should do. You should have done that from the beginning. We're four seasons in and you haven't God. thought of that. You're fired. I'm still new. I'm sorry. Aaron, we have a vacancy on the podcast. Yeah. Now, I'm afraid. <laughs> you are welcome to fill it. Oh, wow. Well, thanks thanks for having me. It was nice to hang out with you. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. How amazing was that? And this time (gasps) I deliberately beamed him out. That that was meant to happen. He's safe. He's safe. (laughs) He's safe. Um, He's in my quarters. Uh No, he's in my quarters. I have locked him in there. And this is where we will be writing the next series of Prodigy together. kidnapped Aaron. I've kidnapped Aaron until he lets me write on the show. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's actually how you're supposed to do it. You know, if yeah, you can't just networking. wait for seven years 
to be noticed. Uh-huh. I know, you, I don't want to work hard for it. You no, just no, no, kidnap no, no, no. somebody. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. that's how yeah. it works. We'll just get one of those like little mind machines, you know, like just a memory wiper kind of a situation. We'll sci-fi it up. We'll make it make sense yeah, to Aaron. Then we'll release fine. him. Yeah, it's going to be fine. We'll release that as an episode. The, yeah. The mind wiper. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. What if Aaron decided that he, okay, so he had like, let's hope he had the best time, right? I hope so. Okay. He listens to the episode and he's like, mm-hmm. wait, was I kidnapped? It wouldn't. Whoa. What a mind fudge that would be. I know. Like you, you may have just screwed your chances of ever writing for Star Trek. I'm just, I'm just Dang saying, it. we got to be Dang careful. It. Yeah, I should be really careful about writing the sins videos as well. Oh my <laughs> god. Okay, quick question before we wrap up today: Can yeah. we watch episodes of Prodigy though? Because like, whether we do it for the show or not, I really want to watch this show super, 100%. super bad. I love Absolutely. animated stuff anyway, and I was thinking like, oh, Iris isn't old enough, maybe just yet. But I don't care. I'm going to watch it myself. <laughs> Heck yeah. I watched it on my own. It's like, it is a great balance of appealing to the old fans and getting in with the new. And if that interview didn't convince you to go and watch Star Trek Prodigy, absolutely nothing will. The passion that Aaron has for it and the care that the entire writer's room seems to have put into it is, it is incredible. And I cannot wait for season two. Um, I think mean, the next thing we're going to do is lower decks, but... In between the lull between Lower Decks and the next thing, we can definitely, definitely do. Yeah, I'm not going to sim yeah. one of his episodes. No, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, we'll maybe he nice would things. actually appreciate it. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, I, I, I mean, nothing <laughs> is without sin. But yeah, I think he would appreciate the, <laughs> the, the, the critique. We, we just sin another show. Like we're like we're, we watch Prodigy. And then we send another show. So every sin doesn't actually make any sense. And at the end, we reveal that like there was no sin. Yeah, there are no <laughs> sins. This is just a zero. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Hey, zero. That's one of the characters. Oh, amazing. Hey. Well, that's all from us this week, guys. Thank you for listening along. And go and show um, Aaron some love and the writer's room for Prodigy. Prodigy as well. Um, and that's all. As always, live long and potspur. Oh, and then I'm supposed to say that thing. Oh. Something, something, pod. And something. Pod, uh, it's, so pod, the actual, peace, peace and pod. The, the actual peace, response. The peace the pod actual, be with you and nope, you as nope. well. The actual response is peace and long life. So pod and long life. <laughs> pod and long life. Amazing. Bye. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Do you know anything about patella repair, by chance, Captain? Are you recording? <laughs> what? You get... You... I'm just baffled that you're like, yeah, you should be recording, and then you yourself are not recording at all. Oh, the fact that you don't know what a patella is means you don't know how to do patella repair. Yeah, so that's what is fine. A patella? Is it your kneecap? Oh, right. Okay. I thought it was the thing that propels the boat forward. That's a propeller. Oh, I thought it was the thing that you hold on to that adjusts the steering thing on the back of a boat. The that's rudder? a tiller. Oh, it's a tiller. Yeah. I mean, you can get charged per tiller. <laughs> that's true. Right. If you were to if you were to purchase m- multiple, multiple tillers. You would be charged yeah. and per And then tiller. you would need, yeah. you'd need to organize one repair per tiller. <laughs> Dicer is in the building. When you, crack, <laughs> when you crack yourself up, that's the good stuff. So can I tell you something? Okay. Iris is starting school mm-hmm. in like 
a week and a half. Yikes. Her very first time to ever attend school. So I'm, we're along for the ride, along for mm-hmm. the journey. And she's going to a private school where every child, there's 18 total, every uh, 18 children for two and two teachers. And there are three, four, and five-year-old, wait, four, five, and six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so she'll have like a variety of kids to be in her mm-hmm. class and she'll That's be able to teach range. the young ones and yeah. learn. Yeah, so they're kind of, she's gonna be kind of at the top of the class as far as, you know, intellect and experience. Mm-hmm. And, and But at the same time, she's never been to school before, so this is yeah. all gonna be new for her. So, but there, each child brings a plant and they keep that plant alive through the year. Oh, hopefully. And so today we went to go pick oh. out her plant. And so we, we walk into this little um, greenhouse kind yeah. of place and we're going in and I say, we're going to pick out a plant. And she says, I said, but this, they also have flowers here. So we can't get a flower unless the flower is in soil. And she says, well, but a plant is a flower or a flower is a plant. And I, I, true, true. I agreed with her. She said, what's the difference? And I said, well, we need to have a plant that's got roots. Mm. So that way you can water it and keep it alive. I mean, cactus is a no brainer. That would have been a great. Okay. Oh, yes. That's a great thing for children to just have in a classroom at the ready to be grabbed. Nobody's fucking with the kid that brings a cactus to school. (laughs) Hey, Captain, I'm going to be going to podcast movement. Heck yeah. Do you think I should try to recruit other members to our crew? Yeah, do it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, as long as they like Star Trek and stuff. What if I showed up to a podcast convention as if Dressed I was as. accidentally <laughs> at a Star Trek convention? <laughs> and I just did no it. No accident, just own it. I acted completely normal the entire time. Mm-hmm. I'm Frankie the first day. Oh, you're going like full alien yeah, cosmetics yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Uh-huh, 100%. Yeah. Amazing. And then I'll go Vulcan. On day two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That fits. Borg, day three. Very business-like. No! <laughs> Is it day three like that? I'm not fucking around day. That's like, I'm taking no prisoners. So like day one and two is like the conversations and like people are like having a good time with me as a Vulcan. And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? Why don't, why don't I just talk tomorrow? And they'll, I'll schedule all of the appointments for recruitment at the same time. And they walk in. Mm-hmm. The room is dark. Oh, one no. spotlight comes red on light. and it's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. red light yeah, yeah. <laughs> the red light and they're like what is this the light comes on borg queen right oh nice nice doors are already closed and locked they're fucked yeah. seems not right but okay and then i just hand out like little borg cubes and say welcome oh. welcome to the podcast resistance welcome to the podcast futile. resistance is futile Eventually, um, Iris would like Prodigy, I think. It's probably a bit scary at the minute, but yeah. she'll like it. Considering that she thinks Fraggle Rock is frightening. <laughs> Down Fraggle Rock. No, Fraggle Rock is frightening. It it's is. freaking scary. It's I didn't dark realize how scary it was until I was watching it with her and I was like, oh no. Oh no. No, no, no. This isn't right. That's, it's, it's, got some, it's got some darkness. Worries to for another day. Let the music play. Down a frag rock. I've got a quick fire round to finish with this time. So he's going to have 
I think it's 10 questions where it's like an option and he has to just immediately first thought, which would you prefer? Should I try that one you first? Yeah, what's, what, 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 try it out on me. Okay, so tell me which one you'd prefer, just go instinct. Spock or Tuvok? Spock. Enterprise A or Enterprise D? I like D. <laughs> <laughs> Is this going well? Am I doing this right? You won't know the next one. Uh, Klingons or Borg? What do you mean I wouldn't know that one? I of course know no, that I one. Skipped, I skipped the one you wouldn't know. Oh, I want to know that one. Okay, Crusher or Pulaski? Crusher. Klingons or Borg? Klingons. Janeway or Picard? Picard. Holodeck or Ricer? Holodeck. Rock, Tack or Murph? I kind of like Murph. You would love Murph. You I will... don't know what that Murph... means. Murph is on Prodigy. Murph... Google Murph right now, Prodigy. Okay. You... He... okay. That is your spirit animal. Oh, Okay, there's a... Okay, I... it's got like a weird... It's kind of hitting me in a strange way, like... Okay, okay. That's a big maw, right? Like, that's just like, uh, like it's just open Ooh. and there's nothing going so on. It's just an openness. I'm so happy, though. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Okay, Gach or Romulan Ale? Gach. You would not like that. Uh, beta Quadrant or Gamma Quadrant? Gamma. Oh, risky. Risky. <laughs> I don't know anything that's happening. Risky. Um, Morn or Quark? I think I'm going to say Quark. Okay, yeah, I think so. The crowd is screaming Morn right now, but that's okay. Um, and then the last one, it isn't an option, but it's like, I'm going to, I'll wait until the end. I'll, you, you'll you be surprised. You, we, I'm going to try and trick him into giving something away. Oh, So the last you, you, one is, no. will this person come back in the next season? <laughs> oh my God. Like, while we're on a row, just get like what a What if he just decides never to come back? I just need the one secret, that's all. That's just the one secret, okay. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. What I I bought I bought glitter, like a lot of glitter. Why did you do that? Well, it just seemed like a really exciting thing. They're it's pretty. Iris and I were at the craft store. We couldn't resist ourselves. No uh, one was telling me no. You know that's glitter is bullshit. Glitter <laughs> is, is dangerous. Bullshit. Well, so I thought this was cool because it had this variety pack of like this all the colors of the rainbow Ugh. style, oh, right? Oh, vomit. Yeah. Why? Because it, it gets fucking everywhere. It's just a mess. Working at Toys R Us, I just would come home with glitter in me just all the time. <laughs> just leaking glitter? Yeah, and I couldn't have a beard because it always looked bejazzled. Well, but, uh, <clears throat> well <laughs> my mistake here is that I purchased a variety pack of 12 different colors of glitter. Mm. And I thought that I was getting a deal because it wasn't as expensive as the other options. Right. But now I realize that the other options were in resealable containers. Oh no! Whereas these, once you're you open, it's a commitment to the whole oh, thing. No. So I've got to figure out how to like repackage all of these. Amazing. But aren't they pretty? They're so pretty. Yeah, no, they look like absolute bullshit, but they look pretty. Well, I guess I know what I'm going to be putting in your stocking for Christmas this year. I'm just going to wake up and you've sprinkled like glitter on my beard. Okay, so how am I going to do that? Because you're sleeping. Are we, are, am I going and sneaking into your house in England? Yeah, you're sneaking in. No, no, <laughs> when I come to visit and I'm with Aaron, Aaron will let you in and he That's will let you sprinkle would. glitter on my He's beard. He's super he would. Let this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still wouldn't do that because 
that's where you're sleeping you and that's completely inappropriate. Um, fair. <laughs> Can you 100 Okay, when I'm napping somewhere. If I'm napping, oh, I feel like I'm free game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh-huh. you nap that's... sitting in your work chair. <laughs> I will look over when we're doing our co-work days and we're all on video together. And you are like, quote unquote, <laughs> thinking, but in actuality, you've just passed out. And I you're just kept my up. notes on the inside of my eyelids. Uh-huh. That's all. Have you seen beard baubles? Speaking I'm sorry? Christmassy things. Beard baubles. I really wish I knew what you were saying right now. It's a, it, your accent is my favorite fucking thing. <laughs> and I don't ever want this to come between us. And I'm not but. fucking with you at all. Will you say that again, but slower? Beard. Beard. Baubles. Yeah. I still don't know what to say. What the fuck is baubles. that? Baubles. Like- baubles. The things that you put on Christmas trees. Baubles? Baubles. B A U B L E S. No. Baubles. I once researched an ergonomic chair, and because I'm, I don't know, an idiot, I was like the best one ever. And it was this really futuristic looking Borg-like thing mm-hmm. that had independent moving pieces for you know, like every vertebra. Have you oh, seen these before? I'm worried I'll get stuck in it. No. And it was sort of like this awkward, like arachnid sort of, I don't know, scorpion-like head thing. And I'm like, yes, this is what I, and it was several thousand dollars. I mean, just instantly too much It's one money. of those things that sounds like in theory, it would be perfect. Uh, but then when you actually use it for more than a day, it's just as bad as every <laughs> other chair. It feels like a horror show you know, to me. I would get stuck in it. Yeah. <laughs> as relevant as that is to Star Trek. <laughs> um, thank you. It, it could, could be. be. I mean, I guess they did change the chairs on the Enterprise because, like, Geordie and Data were like way the heck leaning back in season one and two, and then they uprighted them in like season. Yeah, they. I feel like they do a lot of both official and unofficial refits and mm-hmm. retrofits, um, even when the ship doesn't explode yep. for theatrical <laughs> purposes. Mm-hmm. And still, no seatbelts. Still, no, no, except for. Except for one, there's two, actually there's three occasions where seatbelts were mm-hmm. used in Star Trek. Uh, one was in Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Because that was before, I suppose, uh, they realized they just had inertial dampers. Yeah. Uh, and they could they, they had like a harness that was used on, I think, one of the shuttle pods. Mm-hmm. And then in <laughs> Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, when they go to warp for the first time, uh, Captain Kirk has these little clasps that like click click down oh, over that's his, on the his arm. legs the, the arm the, yes. the arms of the chair come across his legs yeah, so yeah. clip him in place almost like a roller coaster which is terrible like that's a, that, that <laughs> not, just not, means not that your great. legs are fine your torso is gone it's in the view screen yeah and then the third occasion was in a deleted scene for i believe nemesis uh you can w- look it up online there's uh, uh captain picard is admiring his new uh command chair and the, you know, installed on the the Sovereign class Enterprise E, and then and then like you have, and so, someone says, uh, "Oh, you haven't seen all the features yet." And then he like sits down, and they press a button, and these and five seatbelts shoot out <laughs> and connect around him at all and times, and he's that. and he says something like, "It's about time." That's you know? amazing. <laughs> what you don't know, Aaron, is that this has been words, one of the things them. that like I look don't. for. As someone who doesn't understand inertial, inertial dampener, dampener thing, because 
Inertia. No, is it an? I don't. It's a. It's re- there's. A, it's referred to both as emer- yeah, inertial dampeners and, depending on what episode you're watching, um, the physics term is inertial yeah. dampers. But I think someone, okay. some writer somewhere along the line, misheard that it. and just called them dampeners, which makes more sense yeah. linguistically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So well, either way, I you're correct. It. <laughs> yeah, and I I learned about them because I brought it up. I was frustrated watching. I think it was even in Picard when we started this podcast as I was beginning to learn Star Trek. And I was like, where are the seatbelts? And cuz they're just like standing up. <laughs> I mean, my guess is that my guess is that that drives going all the way back to the original series where they, you know, they had just this big stage set that I think mm-hmm. that to, in order to make it look dynamic, they needed Captain Kirk su- constantly standing up and striding over and yeah. thinking, dominating with his leg. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that just created this whole sort of subgenre of science fiction of explaining why he can do that on a ship that travels faster than light. Captain's pod starter. Oh, Jesus Christ. I haven't got you on screen, so I didn't even expect you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> on screen. Um.